Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a whole new episode of Full Seam Ahead. Hope you like the new intro that we busted out. It is the new year, 2024. We got our new background. We got our ticker. We've had a lot of good celebrities, not even celebrities, but I mean, future Hall of Famers, coaches in the future as well of a Major League Baseball team. We hope you enjoyed those interviews. There's more to come, of course, but, you know, our Ray hit it is zo and then i got my boy Cantu on the other side how we feeling? Man, you know what after you were saying those things and what a start to 2024 for, for full seam ahead right huge start. like it's it's amazing and like we always told you uh last year big things coming and here they are i love the intro you know it kind of did my uh bregman kind of bad with that mouth open one but i like the ending with the with the bat flip for sure i like it of course, God is good, and it's going to continue on. We're, we're just continuing to rise up. We're not planning to go down. It's only one way up. We're going to continue going up. But, of course, this is episode 151. Of course, we've been having a lot of guests on our show, and this is the first time since last year that it's just been us two. So yeah. we're going to be talking about predicting the Astros rotation and bullpen. Of course, we have our Astros roundup. Salute to Uncle Mike. Congratulations to Michael Bradley are retiring after 15 seasons of baseball. We'll get into a little bit more into that in a minute. And then, of course, the, some other big news, Minute Maid Park potentially hosting a World Baseball Classic game. I wouldn't mind. Yeah. A little bit more detail into that later on. Uh, of course, MLB Network has been posting their Shredders MLB Top 100 on starting pitchers and catchers. And, of course, we'll finish it off with what's the stove cooking in the offseason. But first, we got to go what we have on our topic of this show. Let's predict the Astros rotation and bullpen real quick, Angel, because obviously there, there's a lot of conversations of how the bullpen's going to look, how the rotation's going to look. You still got some injuries that are probably going to come back into play and with some healthy players, hopefully, in the second half of the season with McCullers, uh, Luis Garcia as well. Yeah. So, of course... You, let's start with you. What, what do you have in mind of the rotation? Let's start off with the rotation. And just a reminder to the audience, this is like the lineup we think opening day would be. Again, like you were saying, we expect uh, Lance McCullers and Luis Garcia to slowly work their way to the starting rotation, right? But opening day uh, uh, rotation, you know what? Give me the ace in Framber Valdez. Framber Valdez has the ace. You got the second guy. And Justin Verlander, followed by Christian Javier. Give me Urquidy in as a fourth spot, and then finishing off in that fifth spot with France. And then JP France. JP France. There you go. Now, I know there could be a little debate about Urquidy coming out of the bullpen just because he, you know, he was that odd man out last year. And I wouldn't even say the odd man out. I think just injuries and the way the season worked out, he was uh, coming off the bullpen. But I think. He's a great starting pitcher. That experience will pay off. And, you know, he has a whole offseason to get ready for the baseball season. So I think I think he'll be pretty good in the starting rotation. Now, the bullpen. I think the fairly easy one is the closer, which is Ryan Presti. And mm-hmm. the set, the first setup guy will be Ryan Abreu to, to get that eighth inning. After that, Gra- Graveman. And then I, I feel like this is where it gets a little dicey, right? My two long mans would be Renault Blanco and Hunter Brown. And your three middle relief pitchers will be Coleman, Forrest Whitley, and Rafael Montero. Wow. 
Yeah, really. You have to put Montero just because that large contract. But <laughs> I think for Forrest Whitley, it's now or never. I don't think he's going to be a starter in the major league. So, you know, maybe he earns a spot in that rotation. And it's a good young arm. I know he's bad with injuries, but like, again, this is opening day. I, I don't think you can have too many arms. And I'm sure it'll change throughout the season as well. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's going to change. Interesting one, though, with Forrest Whitley. A lot of Astros fans have been waiting for this guy, you know, former first round pick. And I don't even remember what draft he was drafted, either in 16 or 17, I would, I believe. But I mean, he, he's been fighting the injury bug ever since he's come up. And um, I mean, I think Astros fans would like to see him yeah. in an Astros uniform and finally pitch at the big league level because he's always had some setbacks in the minor leagues from triple A to double A. So interesting one right there. But Let's go with my starting rotation. I got to flip it. Okay. Got to flip it. I got to flip it. I mean, there could be, like you were saying, there could be debate on, on you know, who's in the rotation, who's going to be the number one, number two guy. Justin Verlander, I believe, is the number one guy. I do say Framber Valdez should be the guy, but Justin Verlander with the experience, what he's brought to the Astros organization through the years, uh, what he's done on opening day as well, you know, his track record, you know, speaks for itself. And I think JV deserves the number one spot in the rotation. Framber Valdez, of course, he's going to be the number two guy, uh, Christian Javier. So our top three are kind of, you know, the same, really top four. I got Jose Arquiti as the fourth guy. But number five, I, I got to stick with Hunter Brown. I believe this organization still believes in him. He, yeah, he, in the beginning of the season, you remember, I mean, he could have won Rookie of the Month, AO Pitcher of the Month. Not Pitcher, but Rookie of the Month. Uh, I think either Josh Jung or one of the other rookies had gotten it. But, I mean, he he started off hot and then kind of cooled off throughout the regular season. And I think this guy is going to rejuvenate himself coming into spring training. Uh, he's going to be healthy. He's going to do different on his command, his velocity. Um, you know, you still got Josh Miller still on the back of being the pitching coach and I feel like Hunter Brown's going to continue to exceed his level until those regular starting pitchers come back like Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers. Well, it'll be interesting to see where Lance McCullers lands. He could potentially be in the bullpen as a long relief pitcher. So just have to see about that. Bullpen-wise, uh, we're, we're kind of similar. Closer, of course, is going to be Brian uh, – not Brian Abreu. Ryan Presley, eighth guy, eighth inning. Yeah, eighth inning guy is going to be Brian Abreu. Seventh inning guy is going to be Kendall Graveman. This is where I go with the middle relief. So you have Rafael Montero, and I do agree he, he'll be probably in that middle relief role. Give me Bennett Souza. You don't, okay. We haven't had a lefty in the bullpen. You didn't name one. I'm going to name a lefty, and I think Souza is the right guy for the job. He did pretty phenomenal for the Astros in the last part of the 2023 regular season in late September. Uh, well, even in early September, late August, I meant. So I think he'd be a beneficial part of that bullpen. Of course, having that lefty reliever in the bullpen as well is going to help them in situational, you know, opponents. If you're either it's going to be in, you know, with the lefties or the righties. Uh, middle relief is the other one's going to be Dylan Coleman. I expect this guy to bring that stuff that he brought to, you know, that he had in KC, bring it to Houston. So be interesting what he does there. Long man. We're going to use J.P. France, which I, I could see him piggybacking off Hunter Brown. 
which they've they've done that before, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it again. And last but not least, this one was a tough one for me. I'm gonna go with Ronel Blanco. I think he's done a phenomenal job last year. And of course, he was going up and down the minor leagues uh, with the Sugarland Space Cowboys and the Astros. But his experience of pitching from last year's Dominican Winter League, uh, of course, right now he's pitching in the Dominican Winter League. I think it's going to help him a lot coming into this season because the Astros are going to need somebody to rely on just in case they're in a rough and rocky situation, either, you know, in a four nothing game, five nothing game, they're going to need somebody. And I think Ronel Blanco could carry that load. So I, I got that. Yeah. And honestly, going between France and, and Hunter Brown, I honestly think it comes up to who has the better spring training, because if you're mm-hmm. looking at the numbers, like I have the splits right here, they have similar numbers as a, as a reliever, Hunter Brown pitched three innings last year, three total innings last year um, as a, as a, as a reliever, sorry, 11 batters faced one hit, two walks, one strikeout, opponent batting an average of 111. It's pretty phenomenal. JP France as a reliever, three and a third, ERA of zero, 17 batters faced, three hits, um, two doubles allowed, four strikeouts, and 214 batting average. But advantage JP France as a starter, though. He has a 3.92 ERA. Yeah, both of them slowed down towards the end of the season. Again, it's a long season. And ERA for Hunter Brown was 519. I think even when they were both getting, like, you know, gas, I think. JP France was a little bit more effective with his with, with, with his spots at times other than mm-hmm. Hunter Brown, just because I think Hunter Brown like just lost command at times and yeah. it was hard for him to get it back. But I mean, you can't go wrong with either either of them as a fifth spot. It's just honestly, again, to come full circle, I think it's just who has a better spring training this year. I think a lot of teams would be wanting to be in the Astros situation of who's starting, who's going to the bullpen. Um, because think about it, when you have a healthy Lance McCullers, you have a healthy Luis Garcia. That's what eight starting pitchers. Yeah. My gosh. So, like you said, you can't go either wrong with both of those guys. I do expect Hunter Brown to have a better offseason. Uh, of course, I feel like he could be electric. I feel that command being the biggest issue from last year when you're like you were saying when he was fatigued, and usually it'd be in the fourth inning or the fifth inning. I expect him to be better at that this year so mm-hmm. i think like you said can't go wrong with either or but majority of, you know of our our listings i think we both have really the same i think you i only had bennett Susie, you had forrest whitley we both have ronel blanco so yeah not a bad job we'll just have to see what happens when it gets close to spring training of course spring training's not far away pitchers and catchers report in february and of course so the rest yeah and of course the rest of the astros roster coaching staff and whoever you know water boys go the next week or you know or two but speaking of pitchers and catchers two astro players were ranked in mlb network's top 10 right now that started oh, with the starting pitcher uh mlb ranked justin verlander as the number four starting pitcher in the game of baseball right now. Interesting. Interesting, 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 because, of course, we we had to take it to X or Twitter, whatever you'd like to call the app, 
And we had to ask a lot of our followers, what do, what do we think about? It? Do we agree? Do we disagree? You know, is he too high, too low, or is he perfect at the right spot? A lot of them were going towards like, well, I don't think, you know, he's probably going to regress soon. I don't think he should be probably at number four. You know, real quick, Travis um, at TOS1019, he said way too high, still a good pitcher, but he's starting his decline. Sid at Sharp. SQ75, he isn't that guy anymore, just how it is. Matt the dog, at Matthew Gaskin, underscore Gaskin. I think we should brace ourselves for a JV regression, which is fine. He's 57 years old. I don't think he's 57 <laughs> years old, but, I mean, the dude ages like fine wine. Think about that, Matt. And then last but not least, train emoji, at Hunter Brown RBW. He might not even be a top three pitcher on his team. Yikes. Well, I don't know if he's not a top three pitcher because we just named our starting rotation. We predicted and both of us have him as a number one or a number two guy. So real quick, let's go through the list. Garrett Cole's number one, obviously, with the Yankees. Number two is Corbin Burns from the Brewers. Number three is Zach Gallon with the Diamondbacks. JV is four. Blake Snell is number five as the MLB logo because he is a free agent. Number six is Zach Wheeler from the Phillies. Seven is Spencer Strider with the Braves. Eight is Logan Webb with the Giants. Nine is Max Fried from the Braves, which is shocking with that one because he didn't pitch a lot last year because he wasn't healthy. Uh, and then 10, Sonny Gray with the newly acquired team he's with as the St. Louis Cardinals. So what do you think about that, Angel? I mean, do you agree with the fans of him being, you know, kind of regressing already or... Do you think he's at the right spot? Maybe he needs to be lowered just a little bit with all them other starting pitchers. Give me your opinion. To a certain extent, I don't agree with the part that says that Justin Butler is not a top pitcher. I still think he is. Um, but I think Framber is the ace of this team. Again, just by going at my uh, starting pitching uh, project, uh, projection. So if that's if I'm saying Framber Valdez is the ace, that means Framber Valdez needs to be on that list. And he needs to be ahead of Justin Verlander. I would say repl replace Max Fried and put Verlander there, and then put Framber Valdez in maybe Justin Verlander's spot. And I think you know, you know, I think that's a little b better for my liking as well. But I, th I still think Justin Verlander's gonna be great for the Astros this year. I don't. I mean, are we expecting Detroit Tigers prime? Uh, Justin Verlander, probably not. But is he going to eat up innings, give you quality starts, and do what he's got to do to win ball games? Absolutely, he is. And and the thing about Justin Verlander is he's a competitor. I, I'm sure he, he hates bad outings. I'm sure he does. So if he like if if he's getting those bad outings, he's going to do everything in his like possibly do to change that. So I still think he's a great piece, like a fun like a fundamental piece for this rotation. I think he's going to be great this year as well. Yeah, I may agree. Um, not a lot of pitchers could pitch at the ages he at where he's at right now. Uh, just looking at three Hall of Famers right now, real quick at their stats, their ERA. Uh, I got John Smolter right now. Last year was with the St. Louis Cardinals at the age of 42. He was one in three with a 426 ERA. Let's go to the professor and Greg Maddox. Last year was with the Dodgers at age 42 as well. He was two and four with a 509 ERA. Last but not least, the former teammate of theirs, Tom Glavin, oh, wow. 42 years old with the Atlanta Braves. He was 2-4 and four with a 554 ERA. 
So yeah, age does catch on. But with Verlander, of course, you got to think about it. He had Tommy John surgery. That could make, you know, a difference in some of these pitchers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've seen the velocity and some of these guys tick, you know, uh, you know, number, not number one, uh, you know, a point or two, I can say. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I mean, but I think he's still, like, I was going to agree with you. He, he's still a good pitcher until he shows that he's regressing and the numbers aren't the same like what he did in 2019. Obviously, of course, that's like a one-something ERA. But, I mean, he still had a great ERA last year. He did pitch very well. You know, until I see some regressing numbers, um, losing records, FIP as well comes into place for pitchers, ERA+. plus. Things like that, when it comes to showing a regression on him, then I'll kind of get on board of maybe he's not that guy no more uh, and, you know, go from there. And Jamie Moyer, Jamie Moyer pitched till he was 49 years old. You see, I don't think Verlander will pitch to 49. No. I'll, I'll give him the age of Tom Brady when he retires. I don't think so, right? But the reason I bring him up is because in 2008, Jamie Moyer was 45 years old. With the Phillies, he went 16 and 7, 3.71 ERA, uh, let me see how many strikeouts he had. I don't know how many innings pitch he had, real quick. He had Isn't that team as well? The one that won a World, World Series. Series team. Yeah. Yeah. 196 wow. innings pitched, 123 strikeouts, like allowed 62 walks. Like, that's 45 years old. Mm hmm. And the year after, he was 12 and 10 with the Phillies, and then 99 with the Phillies. Obviously, the ERA started to kick back a bit, like a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. No, no, no way in doubt. It's it's possible because, like we're you know, like I was saying, with the ages of these Hall of Famers, I just announced right now, they they all regress. You saw the ERA, and you just you know you hate to see it because those guys were your childhood. I guess you could call them heroes, but you idolize those guys growing up. And everybody's going to regress one day. And until I see Justin Verlander do that, then that's when I will agree. Well, he's just not that guy anymore. But I will agree with you with JV needing to be more in the 8, 9, 10 range. I think Blake Snell, he just won a Cy Young and Justin Verlander's in front of him. Not not being biased about it. it. I mean, it's just the facts. The guy won a Cy Young in both American and National League. And Justin Verlander is in front of him. I mean, I don't know about that. Spencer Strider, of course. Um, Sonny Gray was a finalist for the American League. Cy Young. Guys that just miss. Luis Castillo, Mm -hmm. which he had a phenomenal year with the Mariners. Pablo Lopez, who led the American League in strikeouts. And, of course, Framber Valdez, like you were saying, as well. And Kevin Gossman. So. I feel like out of those three that missed... I like Luis Castillo, but I feel like there's just like runs where he just can't like pitch, and then there's runs where he looks lights out. And I mean, I was I think the only reason Framer Valdez is not in this list is because that second half of the season. But I think Pablo mm-hmm. Lopez deserves to be up there as well. Oh, it's, I hundred percent agree. But it's like, who do you take out? I, like, I would say the one you take out, they go like like if I'm going not including Framer Valdez, just adding Pablo Lopez. I would say either Max Fried or. Justin Verlander would be the odd man out, honestly. I'm, I think I'm taking Max Free just for the fact because I told you, I, I was just saying that right now on the pod. He, he didn't pitch a full healthy season last year. He was dealing with a bunch of injuries. I think he had 
was out for about two to three months, yeah. missing starts due to injuries. I know all of this because I had him on my fantasy team. <laughs> Uh, so I, I know that you're not the I only one bringing in fantasy. Look at you that. see, I had to. There's our latest. There's our latest segment of fantasy baseball, which we will maybe, maybe get the followers on and try to do a fantasy baseball uh, league. Maybe this oh, year. I like that. Be interesting. See back to back champ. Back to back champ over here though. Ah, you see, I already gotta hear it. Gotta hear it. Moving oh, on from this. <laughs> oh, and you gotta hear it for football too. Oh, yeah, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, your fantasy football winner from 2023-2024 ESPN. (laughs) Calm down. Calm calm down, J.J. McCarthy. Um, Next, but on the list is the catchers and MLB Network ranked Yiner Diaz as the number seven catcher in the game of baseball. I like it. I was going to ask you right now, do you like it? But real quick, um, on the list, you got Ali Rutschmanson with being the number one guy for the Orioles. Will Smith being number two from the Dodgers. Three being Sean Murphy from the Braves. Four being Real Muto from the Fields. William Contreras with the Milwaukee Brewers. Wilson Contreras from the Cardinals. Alejandro Kirk from the Blue Jays. Yiner Diaz from the Astros. Cal Riley from the Mariners. And Gabriel Moreno from the Diamondbacks. Diaz led all MLB catchers with a 538 slugging percentage last season, 282 batting average, 100 RB, uh, 100 hits, 23 home runs, 60 RBIs. His 23 home runs were tied fifth among MLB rookies. I got to ask you, Anjami, is this the right call? Eight being on the spot of the top 10, or do you see him possibly a little, you know, he could be a little lower than that? No, I think the list is spot on, honestly. Um, I feel like some follow, like some listeners could argue maybe in front of Alejandro Kirk after that little down season, but I still I think Alejandro Kirk is a phenomenal catcher. Uh, same thing with you same argument Wilson Contreras, but I think it's spot on. Is because yes, Wilson and Alejandro Kirk had little off seasons, but that was Yanir Diaz's rookie year. Now the league will adjust, and it'll be interesting to see how you know he adjusts to those adjustments because, again, baseball is a game of adjustments. Mm-hmm. And if he can put up the numbers he did this past season, I'm I'm, I'm honestly thinking Yanni Ardis could be a top-five catcher. Again, like, if he can repeat those numbers, I'm not saying just hit the long ball, but just get on base. Like, above 280 batting average. If he hits 20-plus home runs, that's absolutely perfect. Maybe get the RBI numbers up a little bit. I think he would because he will be playing every day now. Mm-hmm. And again, I think you're looking at a top five catcher. And shout out to um, I I had his name James Click yeah. for that trade as well. I'm about to I'm about yeah. to say you forgot your shout out right there and then. Exactly, yeah, James. <laughs> but I shout out to James Click for that trade because again, it, it, like if he repeats, if he like against sophomore slumps are sometimes inevit- like inevitable. But if you can adjust, you're looking at a top five catcher. Wow, both take from you. You had right now Ali Rushmanson, Will Smith, Sean Murphy, JT Romuto, and number five is William Contreras, which Contreras did have a great year with the Brewers. Yeah, he did. But I agree. I mean, we we talked about it on uh, the Just Fans podcast. Shout out to those guys for allowing us oh, to be yeah. on their show and talking about Astros baseball. Subscribe. But yeah, subscribe to their channel. Great Houston sports uh, pod out there. But. We we talked about Yonder Diaz, and one of the things I'm looking forward for him coming in, you know, from the offseason 
going into spring training is the whip percentage of swinging and missing and reaching and lunging for the ball that's not even in the strike zone. I'm looking for improvement in that aspect, and I think he'll do a phenomenal job doing that because, like you said, he had the home runs, he had the hits, the RBIs. I mean, the power and the contacts there, it's just the matter of him seeing the ball and recognizing what pitch is coming and having the pl uh, play discipline, obviously, at the plate. And I think, honestly, a factor to that, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but I think, I don't know, to me, it's a good speculation. I just feel he was trying to do too much. I think he knew he was going to get, like, in the game a lot. I, and I know he knew he was a backup to Martin Maldonado, so he was like, I'm here in the plate. I'm going to try to do everything I can to get on base, like, I'm going to make sure I get a hit here. And I think at that point, you're just swinging away, trying to do a little yeah. bit too much, trying to produce for your team, trying to get more at-bats. And I, you know, now that he's getting those at-bats, I don't know, maybe I could see him draw a little bit more walks as well and, like, you know, get on base at any way possible. Yeah, I think with him, you know, no offense to Maldi. Maldi had the defensive and the baseball IQ, but Diaz is a young guy, I think, coming up. I mean, you see the numbers right there offensively, defensively too. He's not that bad. His pop time is one of the best among catchers as well. So, I mean, I do see an improvement year. Like you said, he could be a possible top five catcher at the end of this year. And we could be talking about him being on, you know, the fifth best catcher or the number one best catcher in Major League Baseball. So it'll be interesting to see what he does to improve which he's already doing that in the offseason. If you've seen those yeah. those videos, he'd be posting on uh, Instagram or on X. So shout out to you, Mr. Heiner Diaz. Speaking of shout outs, we got to give our guy one last shout out of his career. Michael Brantley, the Dr. Smooth, the Uncle Mike's, the Theo Miguel's, whatever you want to call him. The guy was always there. For the players, of course, you remember that um, that speech he gave in the World Series when they got clobbered by the Philadelphia Phillies, I believe, in Game 3. Game 3, because that was the uh, McCullers. Yeah. I mean, the guy did it all, but of course, everybody's here. This is a little bit old news, but we had to mention it per John Morosi. Michael Brandley, five-time All-Star and one of the most respected players of his generation, has decided to retire. Quote from Michael Brandley, it's time for me to be home 24-7, watch my kids grow up, and not miss important milestones, Brantley told Rossi. Agree. I, I completely agree about that. But real quick, with Brantley's tenure as an Astro, two-time All-Star, 2022 World Series champion, career batting average with the Astros Angel is crazy, 305, above 300, 828 OPS. Of course, we had a lot of people. We had a lot of people on X talking about the potential of his numbers becoming a Hall of Famer. Angel, I just got to ask you real quick. I mean, what do you think? Is he, is he, you know, you think he has a shot at Cooperstown? Man, I'm agree with the follow the followers here on this one. I I don't think so. And injuries really played a big part, unfortunately, in that. And I'm looking at his stats right now. The most games he's ever played in his career was in 2014. He was an all-star. It was 156 games. He was third runner-up for MVP, and he won a silver slugger that year. But after that, it was like he had a – from 2012 to 2014, he played 149 games, 151 games, and 156 games. And after that, 
there's a stint where you know you can see that injuries played a factor. Then 28, 2019 goes back to the 140s, and after that, you know, like like you know the rest, right? Like when he when he was on the field, when he did play, phenomenal player, right? But unfortunately, I think this is a career where it was a great one. Like all respect to Michael Bradley, it was a great career, but just don't think it's like I think just because of the injuries, I don't think it's worthy of a Hall of Fame. Completely agree. I think Astros Hall of Famer. He could be oh, a potential yeah. guy for that category. Yeah. Uh, a candidate, I would say. But Cooperstown, like a lot of people were mentioning about Lance Bergman, I do agree with that. If Lance yeah. Bergman couldn't even get in, one of the best uh, switch hitters in the game of baseball, even Morgan Innsberg said it himself, one of the most underrated guys to swing the bat on both sides of the plate. And he got like a one and done kind of thing. I, I believe it was like one point something percent on the ballot and i mean he was out the next year so yeah yeah that, that's crazy though you were saying he was third in mvp voting at a time of michael uh, at a time a young michael brandley on the mvp race yeah that, that year crazy. that year he was batting three he, he finished at a batting average of 325 20 home runs 97 uh rbis but it's just again an injury played career, and which yeah, and I like he never hit much. like he never hit over like the most home runs he hit in a season was twenty two, the most RBIs he had in a season was ninety seven. So it's just like he didn't. I don't think he did enough. And I'm guessing both of those numbers are with his days with Cleveland. Uh, or one of them's with the Astros. The, the twenty two home runs were with the Astros, um, and the ninety seven RBIs were with Cleveland. Yes. 22 home runs in 2019? Yes. Gosh, that team was so special. <laughs> let's not reminisce, but let's think of the good parts of Michael Brantley, of course, that historical catch that will live in oh, yeah. Astros postseason infamy. Doubling up Aaron Hicks and Aaron Judge yeah. at first, throwing him out at first base and making that unbelievable catch. And then another one I didn't even think about was the catch he made. In Arlington, in one of the postseason games. Oh, the one where he he lunged and he range, yeah. yeah he lunged and basically dove at the end. Uh, I have no one even thought about that. I didn't think about it. I know for sure you didn't think about okay. it. So, um, but by all means, shout out to Uncle Mike, Theo Miguel, whatever. I mean, the salute. Of course, we we've always saw that salute out there from Michael Brownlee. So, shout out to you one last time. Uncle Mike, Dr. Smooth, Theo Miguel. Last but not least on Astros Roundup, we got to talk about the World Baseball Classic because think about it. The World Cup's coming in 2026, and the World Baseball Classic is coming as well to the exciting U.S. Exciting times. An exciting year for not just baseball and soccer, but just among sports fans in general. I think this is one of the coolest things to have both those events. Of course, being, you know, the FIFA World Cup, that's like the huge part of the sport. I mean, the biggest thing of marketing and things like that for soccer, but baseball as well. I don't think, you know, I feel like a lot of players from different regions of different countries, you know, Japan, you got to see South Korea, you got to see Australia do what they did. Of course, Cuba, I mean, you have all these phenomenal uh, countries out there that have, you know, these great players, even one of them from Nicaragua that got... Uh, sign after a game so just imagine what one of these world baseball classic games could come to the h 
to Houston, which would be very exciting. I'd feel like we'll we'll both give our opinions on it in a minute. But real quick, per Bob Nightingale of USA Today, he said the Rangers and the Astros are the two leading candidates to host the finals of the World Baseball Classic in 2026. He quotes, MLB is strongly leaning towards having the event in a central time zone with a retractable roof ballparks. I mean, being the number two, being, I mean, well, both of them, of course, in Texas, Arlington have a global life field, Houston having Minime Park, which I would hate to see it leave Miami because it, I think Miami's just the best spot to have the World Baseball Classic. I don't know about Phoenix. You know, of course, L.A. had its time. San Diego has its time. I think it's time to bring somebody fresh and new. And I feel like Arlington and Houston are the great, you know, great hosts. I would feel like, I mean, Angel, real quick, give me give me your thoughts. What are you thinking about it of the juice box potentially having a WBC game? It would make much more sense to have it in Houston, honestly, like unbiased. Like, like Houston is just a diverse city. People from all over the world you know, come to here, immigrate to Houston or visit it. So having the World Baseball Classic, oh, that would be huge for the game of baseball. Um, and then it just, like, it just gives a glimpse of how a Houston sport, like, stadium is. That could lead to more maybe, like, an All-Star game, you know, as well for MLB, because I know he's, it's been since 2005 since the Astros have had an All-Star game. But I love it. Having FIFA, uh, the World Cup here, the World Baseball Classic in, here in Houston would be amazing for all the fans in Houston is everywhere. Yeah, just think about it. I think it'd be the World Baseball Classic first and then the World Cup. So getting yeah. that excitement from the WBC in the baseball aspect and then bringing soccer, which I know Houston is a huge hotspot for soccer. I mean, like you're saying, this is one of the at least top five diverse cities in America. And I feel like hosting a WBC game would – I mean, Crane would be making money a lot, I feel like. Jim Crane oh, yeah. would be making a great book of a lot of money. And then think about it, too. The what's what I'm, I'm thinking of real quick. Um, the entertainment center that he's trying to create, that would just bring in more people, more revenue, um, you know, obviously making more money for the Astros and the organization and all these other you know, factors coming into the marketing aspect, but hosting a WBC game in Houston, you know, no offense to Arlington because obviously you saw who hosted the, the COVID world series was Arlington. Yeah. So I think both of them either, or would be great host cities and venues are perfect. Of course, Globe Life Field is a little bit newer than Minime Park, but having both of them, I think, Dallas people would come from Dallas to go to Houston. And I feel like the same vice versa with Houston going to Dallas to go see that because that's a once in a lifetime thing. You never know when that's ever going to happen. It could go back to Miami. It could go back to LA, San Diego. Just have to see. A lot of people are kind of iffy about both. They, they, there's some that want to, there's some that are kind of like, um, I don't know because of all the, the factors of the injuries, you know, obviously Edwin Diaz having that, um, that I think it was a torn ACL coming off the mound, uh, a lot of fatigue in the pitchers, and of course, leading towards injuries. Um, you know, all the speculation, but I think just as an event, I think it's one of the best to have in the city of Houston. And like you said, it could be potentially having an all star game host in the city, which I still believe it, it will happen before 2030. Okay, yeah, yep. I can see that. 
you know, happening as well. But it is time to move on to what's the stove cooking this offseason now. It's been kind of, I think the stove's been kind of off for the Astros. However, for a lot of teams, it's been, they've been making moves. They've been stirring that pot. Uh, starting off with a surprising trade to me, honestly, and a risky one at that. The Boston Red Sox traded left-handed pitcher Chris Sale in cash considerations to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for infielder Vaughn Grissom. Now, Vaughn Grissom, in 2022, he was the seventh-ranked prospect in the Atlanta Braves system. And he got a glimpse of the major leagues as well. And he did, I mean, he did pretty good. Um, I'm not going to lie. But risky trade for the Braves. I think they're confident they can turn Chris Sale around because Cristo has been dealing with injuries lately, and that's another picture. I know we talked about Justin Verlander. That's another picture where age could be a factor as well. He is getting up there in innings. I'm sure that arm with that unique windup has been taking a lot of reps as well. So, And then Vaughn Grissom's a good young infielder as well. But I don't know. And then they would extend uh, sell for, to a two-year $38 million dollars. 18 million club option for 2026. So what's your opinion on that though? I agree. It could I think for both teams, I obviously think the Red Sox won on this one just for the fact of their infield depth. They needed another infielder. Of course, you have Trevor Story, um uh Emmanuel Valdez, who came from the Astros farm system, but you just don't know the future of that middle infield. I think Von Grisham. Being a young talent, he's already had tasted the big leagues. He hit his first home run at Fenway Park as well. Oh, wow. So I think him being in that Red Sox team, it could benefit him, benefit the Red Sox. But on the Braves side, yes, it could be risky. But I think if the Braves win a World Series with Chris Sell, I think they win the trade. Because that's obviously what you got him for, that veteran experience. Obviously, he won the World Series with the Red Sox in 2018. He knows what it takes to get there. And you add him to a deadly rotation. Spencer Strider, Max Freed, Bryce Elder, Charlie Morton, and Chris Sell. Remind you, Bryce Elder was an all-star last year as a rookie. So, and that was a former Texas Longhorn as well. But um, I think it could benefit both teams if, like I said, if the Braves won a World Series, I think the Braves won the and Braves win that trade. And but it looks like the Red Sox, to me, as of right now, won this trade. Sure, I I mean I agree, high risk, high reward for the uh, Braves at that. But on paper, looking at it right now, I agree with you. And then the Mariners and the Giants are staying kind of busy as well. I know the Giants just finished off signing a uh, Korean outfitter, Jung Ho Lee, and they're making, and, and that was a six-year, $130 million contract, and now they're trading for a former All-Star pitcher. The San Francisco Giants acquired starting pitcher Robbie Ray from Seattle, from the Mariners for outfitter Mitch Hanager and starting pitcher Anthony Desclafani and Cash. This is um, Mitch Hanniger will return back to Seattle, which is, I think he was a well-loved over there as well. But the thing with that trade is that Ray wouldn't be out into the second half of 2024, similar to like a Lance McCullough situation due to Tommy John's surgery. And the Mariners weren't done. They acquired Luke Rayleigh from Tampa Bay in exchange for Jose Caballero. Caballero. 
I don't know. I like I feel like moves like little moves like this gets me thinking of why not the Astros, right? They didn't really yeah. trade too much for Luke Rayleigh and he and he, like he showed potential. And honestly, they didn't really I think Robbie Ray, I don't even think they got like like gave him too much for like I don't think the Giants gave him too much like for Robbie Ray either. Like mm-hmm. like if you're looking at Mitch Hanniger, maybe like maybe you're thinking at a Jake Myers or you know I think that like this Clefani, maybe that's where, you know, you're looking at maybe honestly or Keaty or even uh um Luis Garcia or something like that, right? But I don't know. The Mariners are I feel like they're getting better slowly, like they're making little moves, but they're also trading away key pieces. So it got me thinking as like what exactly are they doing over there? I think Robbie Ray, just for the fact that ever since he signed that contract with the Mariners, he just hasn't been the same. He just hasn't been that same guy that he was in Toronto. Uh, obviously, of course, everybody reminisces about that time when Alvarez took him deep in the ALDS. But, uh, you know, taken away from that part, after this, you know, Anthony Disclafani, I think he's not a bad pitcher. Astros faced him last year, and they couldn't hit him. Mm-hmm. So Mariners getting that guy, uh, bringing back Mitch Hanniger, which I feel like the, the last year, I think he was with the Mariners, he didn't do good. Also, a guy that I had on my fantasy team, um, <laughs> he just uh, didn't do well, and I think he's looking to come back to Seattle and kind of rejuvenate himself and look like the guy that he was when he was with Seattle. So, to me, I think, like you said, the Mariners are slowly getting a little bit better. They're not getting the big house names, but they've been doing a lot of trades lately. And if it's not a trade, it's a little signing of, you know, from here and from there, but. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, like you're saying, why not the Astros? Uh, of course, maybe they just don't want to give out them big names. Um, I always think about the Astros from, you know, thinking last year. Think about, like, what the Dodgers did. They're all saving all that money for Shohei Otani. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the biggest thing. Everybody knew that. That was no secret. But they did the little things. They signed J.D. Martinez. They signed uh, David Peralta. I think another guy was... Jason Hayward, they traded for Miguel Rojas when Gavin Lux got hurt, and they still won a bunch of games. They still led the division. Obviously, they lost in the playoffs, but they did what they could with the money and not without the well, yeah, with the money and the little moves that they made. So the Astros right now are in kind of that same situation where the Dodgers were last year, trying to figure out what they're gonna do, if they're gonna which I I'm, I feel like 90% confident that they're going to re-sign Jose Altuve, but the futures of guys like Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Framber Valdez. So it, it, it's as an Astros fan, you got to feel for like, well, why we're not making these moves. But at the same time too, you got to think of the, you know, the long term. you got to think of the future, what's going to happen to this team. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you have to say like save, save up the money as well. But just like how the Mariners weren't done, San Francisco wasn't done either. They signed Sean Manea, Sean Manea to a two-year, $28 million contract. That's a great pickup. Yeah. It's a he had a good pickup. second half. Yeah. And I think, you know what? And Again, it just got me thinking, of like, with the Astros pitching coaches, so I think they could have easily turned him around. Yeah, they don't have Brent Storm anywhere. Uh, but I don't know. Just a little subtle change could make a big difference for some of these players. And there's been a bidding war. I don't know if you heard from 
players from Japan. You know, apparently everybody wants uh, everybody <laughs> wants them now. So the Chicago Cubs signed left-handed pitcher Shota Imanga to a four-year deal. I don't remember, I don't quite remember what the number was the dollar signs were, but it's pretty hefty. I think it's in the fifty million range. I want to say okay, fifty million. So yeah, around there. Pretty, yeah. pretty good steal. Um, yeah, I mean they've been an influx of Japanese players, and there's gonna be a lot more to come. Too. Espe- there's been a lot, especially you know what I think, and I'm sure they were being looked at and scouted before that, like beforehand. But I think the World Baseball Classic played a big part in that as well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I think this WBC it's gonna help Houston because it's right there in their spot. All they have to do is just go out there and kind of scout who's playing. That's basically what Nick Casario did from the Texans when Michigan went to NRG and Washington was at NRG for the national championship. He was just scouting for players to see what's gonna happen in the future of these guys. Put up in the bands, yeah. And no, I mean, because now okay, yes. And I'm sure the front office, like for these uh, organizations, were already scouting players in Japan. Like I'm sure that that was a, like that was a must for them, right? But mm-hmm. it just gives the fans an eye of what these Jap- like Japanese players have. Like I feel since the World Baseball Classic, more like fans that view baseball are knowing these guys' names and yeah. looking up their stats. And I know there's a young guy, and I'm I already forgot his name that like. Sh- Showed up to play in the world, like I, like I'm terrible with names. I'm good with faces, terrible with names. Um, so you're a visual play. kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That showed up in the World Baseball Classic and and he had a good performance. And then after that, everybody knew he threw like a perfect game, he threw no hitter in Japan. Like Yamamoto. There you go. Was, was that him? The number one Japan prospect. Is that him? There you go. Yeah. You see, like I'm terrible with names, but yeah, you see, and, and I feel like it's just giving them like a platform where they can, you know, where all these fans are being able to see. But no, yeah. Go and ahead. just real quick too, I mean, they're going to have that that game in uh South Korea this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a huge part right there because you know, you have a lot of these players trailblazing for the future and Ichiro did that with Japan given you know mlb shohei otani of course there were other japanese players but not a guy like shohei same thing as you darvish korean wise ha Sung kim comes next thing you know you got jung ho lee we don't know what he's going to provide you've seen masatari yoshida from japan as well there's a lot of these japanese players south korean players which is great for the game of baseball it is making the game grow each and every year so it, it, it's outstanding. Obviously. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch, honestly. And then moving on with the hot stove. Um, I think every Astros fans is tired of me saying this team, but the Los Angeles Dodgers make another move. And like you were saying, they signed J.D. Martinez last year, Jason Hayward to, you know, get better. Now they're signing Teoscar Hernandez to a one-year $23.5 million a year. And I'm sure Astros fans are familiar with that name because he grew uh, grew up in the Astros uh, farm system. Played a few like, played a few games with the Astros, and then was traded to Toronto for who was it for? It was not Ioki and Tasco Hernandez. Was it Liriano? Francisco Liriano. Francisco Liriano. That's his name. Also, you, also there was another one being Sergio Romo. 
not Sergio Romo. Um, mm-hmm. Roberto yeah, Osuna. There you go, Roberto Osuna. That's who it is. And then did they trade Ken Giles over there too? Or yeah, yeah there you go. L- a little murky, but yeah, I got it. But um, yeah, it's been a lot of things going on. The, the Mets signed Harrison Bader to one year, ten point five million dollar contract. The Padres signed, like you were saying, Korea, and Ali's Asian Asia right-handed pitcher Wusa go to a two-year worth four point five million dollars with a mutual option in twenty twenty-six. And Boston Red Sox signed starting pitcher Lucas Jolito to a contract as well. Now, again, telling mm-hmm. you like the like the store's been cooking. Like now we're seeing the little moves go, and I feel like the little moves that you're seeing goes a long way to a successful season. And you know, Lucas Jolito shows glimpses of success, and then glimpses of not. You know, it'll be interesting to see how he works out with uh, the Red Sox, but. There's been more moves to that. If an office move was made in St. Louis, former Boston Red Sox chief baseball officer Shane Bloom was named as an advisor to the president of baseball operations. So a lot of things going on, a lot of work behind the scenes, a lot of phone calls being made to different organizations and agents to see what goes on. And I'm sure there's a lot more moves we're going to cover on this podcast before the season starts as well. Yeah, it's crazy that Blake Snell... Cody Bellinger. Um, I know I'm missing another one. Uh, Jorge Sunny Soler. Sun, no, Sonny Gray with the Cardinals already. Oh, no, Reds. Wasn't the Reds? No, nope, nope. Cardinals. 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 Frankie Montas was the Reds. That's who it was. So okay. uh, not a lot of these big names are on the move, but I think coming up here in January, I know for sure before January ends, because pitchers and catchers report in February. Some of these guys are going to be on the move. Just don't know when. Like Stroman, for instance, right now he's in negotiations and, you know, discussions of being with the New York Yankees. So just shows the Yankees are making oh, moves. Stroman, that's what I was thinking about. You go. Yeah, Stroman. The Stro Show. But like Angel said, the stove's going to be cooking pretty soon. Of course, we'll have it here covered. And as always, look at our little ticker down there and follow us on Full Steam Ahead, wherever you get your podcast from Spotify, Apple, Google. Of course, subscribe, follow, um, leave us a rate, leave us some comments, how we're doing on our podcast and, of course, on YouTube. And last but not least, like we had it on our our intro, TikTok, um, Twitter, Instagram, follow us on there as well. But Angel, you got anything else before we sign off? No, thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully, you like the intro. Lorenzo worked hard on that. I'm not gonna take credit because I was all I was all him. So all the rounds of applause to him as well because it, it it was really good. I really enjoyed it. We a team, baby. We a team. We a team. <laughs> not gonna take credit for just one person. But until then, we'll talk to y'all next week. Hopefully, more Astros news comes up to upon or. Maybe another interview. We'll see. Until then, y'all stay safe out there. Have a blessed weekend. We'll talk to y'all later.